Hey everybody, welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Vincent Crown, aka PVC. This is episode 23 of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast, and we just want to say a massive thank you to each and every one of you guys that have been listening since day one. And of course, if you are new to the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe to us and of course, tell us how we are doing. You can do that by hitting us up on social media at Falling Star Wrestling, or you can even give us a five-star review on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Let's get on with today's episode. I will be joined by my podcast tag team partner, Mr. Jimmy Starr, and we shall be interviewing today's guest. He is a former Falling Star Wrestling tag team champion. He's known as Love and Violence, and also the Black Rose. That's right, ladies and gents. Today we're talking to Callie Gray. We caught up with Callie, and today's episode we're going to find out how he got into wrestling, what really gripped him from an early age, and what has music got to do with his character. You'll find out in today's episode. So, Jimmy, if you're ready, Callie, let's do it. Now, Callie, can you first start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and where you're from, please? So, I mean, I'm from London, uh, always have been, and who I am, I mean, where to, where to begin, really? Like, you could say I'm a 25-year-old from London, I'm a, a musician, I'm a wrestler, yeah, there's a there's a few bits going on. I think that's probably one that will kind of become a bit more clear maybe as we as we talk. Okay, cool. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your sort of earliest memory of wrestling and how did you get introduced into the world of pro wrestling? So when I was very young, like it was always around. It was something that like my older cousins knew about. So I'd hear all the names flying around, you know. The uh, the Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, like kind of that era of, uh, I guess, around the Attitude Era, because I would have been about five, six at the time. And then coming off of that, when I was about 10, my dad had a girlfriend and she'd brought her son round and he wanted to watch this wrestling thing that night that was Backlash 2005. So there was one headlined by Triple H and Batista in a rematch. Nice. Well, yeah, it's that one. So it's uh, Triple H and Batista rematch from Mania 21. So I'm seeing that kind of like headline from the outset. I think we might have missed the beginning of the show because that was back when Sky was a ball like to work all the box office and Sky Sports and figuring out where it was. So I think some of them were on Sky Sports, some were on box office, but we, we found it. And the first thing I saw was um, Edge versus Benoit in a last man standing match. And that was just, it, it was weird to, to me to see because it was, it was cool and it was violent, but it was kind of emotional in a way in the story. And then, you know, there was a proper outsmarting at the finish where he had this briefcase that at the time I didn't know about. I didn't know anything about money in the bank and why he'd won it, but he takes a brick out of it and twats him on the back of the head and wins so like immediately i'm kind of i'm in like the first thing i've watched has ended in someone getting hit by a brick i'm like all right well it's uh this is wrestling yeah because throughout that night the name that i'd always remembered was triple h because from when i was younger you know maybe we'd play a video game or whatever and 
you know, someone, I want to be Stone Cold, I want to be The Rock. And like the character that I always ended up being was Triple H because it was, oh, this long haired, rocky looking guy. Like I've always kind of related to that. So like, I was like, oh, I know this guy. So like, even if he was the one getting booed by everyone, I was kind of like the 10 year old doesn't really care at that point. So like, I've just automatically backed this horse because it's the one I know. And so straight away, night one, I'm watching the guy I'm rooting for lose, which is always fun. That gets you into things nicely, doesn't it? Uh, we've, all, uh, we've all been there. Yeah. So you reckon Backlash 2005 was where it got you hooked. Um, from that point on, did you look at what was going on in the ring, these larger-than-life characters, these kind of long-haired, rocky guys? Did you instantly think that you wanted to be a pro wrestler or did that kind of develop later on? Did you sort of step into music first? How did that all happen? Well, I mean, from a kid, like, from that point on, I'd, I mean, I'd always been into music up to that point. Um, and, like, gradually, I think from about eight, I'd, like, really gone down the rock and, like, early stages of, like, metal trail. And then as wrestling came in, at that time, they're still playing lots of, like, rock music on it. you got the guys that look that way and they're fighting and it's cool and, like, it's emotional and there's all this going on that kind of hooks you in. So, and the way I was as a kid, I kind of got very fixated on things, I guess you could say. So a musician or a wrestler kind of became my dual dream. And later in life, I'd figure out that Chris Jericho was basically living my dream. Or like to me, to me, to me, that was like kind of the ideal situation. You get to do a bit of both at a very high level. But I guess wrestling... You know, I, I looked at my dad who was 5'8", and I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to be a very big guy. And it was a bit discouraging, I guess. No, not discouraging, because I hadn't, like... It's not like someone sat me down and said, look, you, you, this isn't going to happen. I, I kind of came to some realizations young and, like, thought about it. And now, because at the time, all the main guys, it wasn't like now where you've got a kind of vary of sizes and characters like at that time they were still very you know the land of giants I guess was the word thrown so I threw myself more into music but I'd never stopped watching it and I never stopped like kind of breaking it down in my head and really being into wrestling uh I started started getting into like touring bands um when I was 15 and then by the time I was 18, I'd had like a fair few ups and downs with that. And I thought to myself about trying out this pro wrestling thing. When you say you got into touring bands, were you with bands touring around performing music? Yeah. So, I mean, I had a few. Um, my, my, first, uh, my first gig, I was 15 I was I was always like kind of a singer screamer in metal bands, so like just the front man, I guess, of that. Um, first one was in Bristol, I believe, and then I did a couple of like weekenders and joined together and like mini tours and stuff. And then I, as I got older, I went through a few different bands and kind of I, I wouldn't say like made it massive or anything, but I managed to get a couple of cool moments in there and like a few funny things happened from time to time. Nothing like. It's such a, I mean, obviously you guys know what it's like to be in a tough business to crack. Yeah, like music is very similar. You've got, you know, a lot of people trying to do a thing that only a few people can to a very high level. And 
you know, with that comes ups and downs and, you know, creative highs and lows and very personal ones, because especially when you're in bands, you always are dependent on others. Like your, your success is your group's success and same the other way. But then when you're a solo artist that then has limitations in itself, like how would you perform live if you don't want to just be an acoustic act? So it's, it's a very compromising thing. And eventually I, so when I was 18, I at that point had thought about giving wrestling a go. And I was then talked out of it by a few people who said, look, you've devoted this much time to music. Keep that going and keep that as your focus. So I, I did for a bit. And then eventually it came back again at 22. The band I was in at the time was kind of slowing down. So I really just um, sat down and went, right, now or never, I'm just going to give this a go. And one morning, just uh, I think I switched gyms, did a massive healthy shop and found a wrestling school all in the space of an hour just to like really say I'm doing this now. I suppose it's weird because you, you just made a good point about bands. It's like, well, obviously I teach a lot of wrestling. If I look at sort of, so you had a band with four people in it or, or and I've got a training school, wrestling training school with, with, with four people in it. Not all of them are going to make it or, or put as much effort in as, as, as each other. There's always going to be one or two who really want to do it and then one who comes every so often and then one who can you can't do it because he's got a new job or a missus or something like that. So I can see how keeping a band together and keeping it as a cohesive unit all wanting to do the same thing. I see how it could be an absolute nightmare. So, yeah, I, I can I can, I sort of, I never really thought of it that way. Oh, God, it, it can be. like It can be the highest of highs because there are times where you're making music and making, you know, you're creating, you're creating something you're proud of. You're seeing people respond to it in the form of people singing it back to you or watching it, you know, playing along, dancing along, moshing at gigs. And, you know, you get these highs and then at the same time, you know, depending on what stage you are in your formative years, you can find yourself as five pissed up emotional wrecks trying to, you know, hold everything together. And it it can go either way. Yeah, I could see how it could go the pissed up route quite easily. <laughs> um, Callie, um, speaking of sort of being in bands and, and having, you know, you be the front man of this, you know, kind of metal, rock, emo band, whatever it is, do you feel that being the front man has helped you in wrestling a little bit? Because speaking from experience, I've been in bands, whether it's a lot of playing an instrument or being the, the front man, and you have to have a certain level of charisma and stage presence and confidence. Do you think that's helped you transition from a musician to a wrestler? Well, hang on a second. First of all, emo. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that dig in there, mate. Come on. Oh, I mean, come on, man. I can't even <laughs> fight it. But... Like, <laughs> It's unnecessary. Like that's it's funny. <laughs> well, we said at the beginning, Callie, this is a non kayfabe podcast. So uh, if you're my band, mate, that's just fucking tough. Well, I can't, I can't deny it. You know, someone asked us kind of like how you would sum up yourself as a wrestler poorly recently, and I think my response to that was, "I told you it wasn't a phase, mum." <laughs> Very good. So yeah, so being that front man and then transitioning into into wrestling, did you 
well, I don't know, for example, your your first match, were you really nervous? like, Or did you sort of think, oh, now I've got this, I, I know how to manage a crowd? So my first match was an interesting one. I mean, yeah, like you, like you said before, like when you were phrasing the question, being in bands beforehand must have helped me in some way. Because it's hard to say because I don't have a basis of comparison. Like I don't have a me... I don't have like a timeline where there was me not as a band member to compare it to, but I definitely, I, I feel like I was maybe more confident with some things than I, other people around me were like, especially maybe on the creative side and things like that. And then getting out in front of a crowd was always the thing that I was looking forward to, I guess, as opposed to shit myself over, but it comes and goes. Cause like, I know what it's like to have a bad gig. I know what it's like to have a poor turnout and a crowd that's disinterested. So the nerves and the issues were always comparative, I guess, because for me, it's more like, how do I get the best out of this crowd as opposed to, ah, people? Yeah, which is what, when I teach aspiring wrestlers and uh, and they're about to have their first match, obviously you, you put them with someone experienced so that they can control the crowd. But I always tell them, you know, when you go out there, like, don't, don't think too much about the match or the moves or worrying about blowing a spot. Just just think about the crowd and enjoy it and absorb it and look at them and see what they react to and what they don't react to. Because at the end of the day, you're a performer and um, you want to leave that crowd happy. It's not about doing a good backbreaker. You know, it's about making that crowd um, you know, making that crowd happy or, or or telling a story that they're involved with or that they can get involved with, whatever. So I always tell my guys from from a young, early sort of perspective, is just, you know, go out there and listen to that crowd and see what if you can get a rise out of them. And if they enjoy something that you do keep it. If they don't, throw it away. You know, it's it's it is what it is, you know. Absolutely. Um and when it came to my first match Everything that you could have been thinking about just kind of disappeared from my head right before I went out there because it was a, I want to say a 10-man rumble, but entrant by entrant, Royal Rumble style. And I was, I forget what number in the order I was, but the person who was supposed to go out before me was stood behind the uh, behind the curtain ready and then suddenly my music starts playing. So right at the last second anything that was maybe gonna happen suddenly wasn't going to so now everything's completely just on the fly and I'm going in there without a clue what's gonna happen so all I'm thinking about is just carrying off a character and then just seeing what happens when I get in there that's great I love balls ups like that and yeah it was such a uh, welcome to the business but it's a balls up on night one I've had that happen a million times in different various different things because obviously you do a show, you do a match normally, and then a lot, a lot of times when you go out to other shows, people put on a rumble, and that nearly always happens. So as I said, well, that's, that's why there's no point in planning spots for a rumble. Just it's just a forearmed best. You know what I mean? Don't plan any spots because you, you're a little way falls up always. Yeah, for me a rumble, especially now after having that happen to me, a rumble is get in, get yourself remembered, then tell the story of the match as it's supposed to be mine is get in get thrown out instantly (laughs) (laughs) get get in get thrown out instantly get pissed get home yeah it's like bloody good idea 
easy, easy night. Callie, if we can uh, rewind a little bit, we'll build up to your first match in a, in a moment. But um, you said earlier on you kind of left the, the rock star uh, lifestyle behind and then you found a gym. How long after that did you start with the wrestling training and whereabouts did you start? I... Found I, found I found all of that kind of in the space of one day. So I I think I told myself, right, I'm going to need to get into a bit better shape. So I just did, I think I did a couple of weeks of just cardio every day and like mixture of stuff and like anything that I'd like picked up from people from the gym or people who do like, you know, specific workouts that would help me for wrestling and things like that. So I could just at least get a bit of a base layer before I went in there if anything more for my own mindset like I knew it was going to be a struggle I knew that I would not you're not going to walk in there with the fitness level of a wrestler but at least I could maybe get slightly more accustomed to the movements and what is going to be expected of me in that sense and then I can at least you're not worried about that as much then you just kind of throw yourself into it what was your uh, what school did you go to I started off at IPW uh, back when they were training in Swanley. So my first regular coach would have been uh, Jonathan Windsor. I know did a fair bit of wrestling with you guys. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot. I've wrestled Jonathan Jonathan Windsor many times. I rate him rate him highly. I think I've had some of my best matches with him. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's great. And like my first, um, well, my very first session was Sam Stoker, who's now in um, NXT UK with Lewis. So. It was weird. So like straight away, I'm going in and like I've got two different coaches in two weeks. And then there was a lot of stuff that I, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. But then like having Jonathan Windsor as my first like regular coach, I'd, I'd say that that was good because I, you know, in speaking to him, he obviously knew what he was talking about. And like you said, you know, he was very good at what he did. You can ask him yourself, but he was sort of, trained mainly by Tom Chamberlain and, and quite a bit with me. He did quite a lot with me, like especially in the early days. You know, he was fairly advanced when he came to me. I, I did I did help him out quite a bit. Um but um Tom Chamberlain was um was a good wrestler but he was also a very good coach and he, he coached um yeah he coached Windsor. So Windsor would have had a very, very good uh, idea of the of the basics and, and how to uh, explain it as well. I think I think Windsor would have would I never saw saw him coach. Obviously I've breast with him loads of times, but I, I would imagine he'd be a very good coach and very good at explaining that, you know, what you need to do and what it means. He was. Um he definitely was. And on the subject of like coaches, yeah, I I feel like it's important that I kind of acknowledge, I know that I was, so I was with Windsor for a few months, but then a lot of my learning did come in uh, from the London School of Lucha Libre, which then took over as like kind of my lead school uh, for a while. And then I um, mixed it with Knuckle Locks for a while. And then when IPW brought back their academy, uh, it was so sorry, uh, just going back, you know, obviously a lot of my coaching and a lot of my thanks has to come to uh, go to Greg Burridge and Gary Vanderhorn from Lucha. But both great coaches. I know Greg well, very well. And I don't know Gary that well, but I know Greg well. So, yeah, both great coaches as well, I would imagine. They're both, you know, they're geniuses and just lovely people. And they will get good things out of everybody who cares. 
And the same I found with after the reopening of the IPW Academy, which uh, then led into Catch-22. And this was under initially uh, Rob Lynch and then Mike Bird taking over. And again, Mike is another one that's done a lot for me in terms of coaching and helping me to get out there and helping to really get the best out of myself and any opportunity that we get given. So between all of those, I, I am very grateful for the level of coaching that I've had and the level of support that they can give you on teach, teaching you to wrestle, teaching you this, but also teaching you about opportunities, teaching you how to carry yourself through the industry, which I hope that I try to uphold to the standards that they've set for us. Cause you know, I like to represent them well and I like to think that I'm doing my best to do that. And then also on a personal level, you know, they've been very, very supportive. They're always ears when you, when you need them to be just all around. Like I feel like I've been very fortunate to have, very good people around me. Well, you've all, you've always been hugely respectful when you've come to Forward Star Wrestling, and you know you've always worked really hard. Got stuck in with the ring, shook everyone's hand. You you kept the wrestling etiquette up to uh, you know to an exceptional level. So yeah, they de- they've definitely taught you really well because you put across a very high standard and come across very well when when you walked into Falling Star. And so if you do that everywhere else, then uh, you're golden, really. Thank you. I really appreciate that. A lot of wrestlers come on this podcast and they talk about their first sort of few sessions of training. And most people are probably trained mainly by one or two different people. You mentioned quite a few different names there. Do you think that's helped mould you as a wrestler and a character, having all these different people to, to choose from uh, and take advice from? I think it has, because it's not like it's constantly changing it's having a lot of people regularly which i think helps so you know it'd be training three or four times a week and then doing the shows so it keeps you very active it keeps a lot of people's different ideas constantly constantly getting across to you and then it helps you i think it helps you adapt as well because i'm sure as you both know like different people will have different opinions and they'll try and teach you different things in different ways and you never want to say, oh, no, because I was taught it this way. I don't want to do it. So, like, you, you learn to do it their way. And then it's almost like a memory game of, okay, I'm here today. I will, I, I'll do this this way because I'm in front of this person. And just little things like that. And then it's almost like a, a skill to hopefully take it forward in front of crowds. So then you go, okay, I remember that this crowd is like this. I will do things this way here. I will, I will highlight this because this is what they're going to react to. That kind of thing. Such a huge skill with a professional wrestler. Like to be able to look at a crowd or know a crowd to the point where you can put on the type of match that they want to see, but still be in control. That's a really cool thing. So, yeah, but being trained by loads of different people. I mean, when... When I started, I did some training with the Knights and I did some training with John Ritchie and then I went over the States and did some training with Harley Race. I, I knew, probably like you did, that it was important to train with different people. And I even trained with people who, who were crap and I really didn't agree with what they were saying. But that doesn't matter because you're still going to take away something good from the from the session. But the more people that you can get trained by, 
and the more variation that you can that you can get in your training, the better wrestler you'll be because you're not going to be a carbon copy of, of who trains you. And that's always that's always a danger. That's why I tell my guys, a lot of schools are really protective over their trainees, and I'm not. I'm like, go and train wherever you want. You know, go and train with whoever you want. Learn from other people because otherwise you're just going to have my ethos and I'm not always right, you know? Yeah, uh, I don't know. My brain kind of goes back to music a lot with this stuff. It's like you can have your favourite band and that band has helped you in, you know, studying that type of music and you want to now write songs, so you're going to write them like that. But if you're only ever writing after one band, you're going to be a replica of that band. If you can take influence from multiple bands and almost kind of, as long as the fundamentals are, are sound and there, then the the extra bits can be cherry picked almost, or like you can take what kind of resonates with you the most out of this, this, and this, and turn that into what then becomes you. Yeah, and that, and that's the beauty of wrestling. You've got to, you know, you you if you create your character, you you can do what you want with it, and that, and actually, you know. If, as long as you remember that you're in control of your character, you're in control of that crowd, you're in control of your match, and your character needs to sort of evolve every so often so things don't get boring. You know, that's a be- that's a fantastic thing about wrestling. I mean, you can just totally create that yourself. That's yours. And you'll, you'll get help along the way and, you know, ask for different opinions and, you know, but at the end of the day, that's the beauty of wrestling. It, it's it's just totally totally subjective, and you can there is infinite possibilities as to what you can do, and, and it's always it's always fun trying new things out. You know, hundred percent. And again, I've been very lucky that a lot of the people that have coached me, in fact, all of them have you know they've found themselves advising me on that creative side and like helping me put together pieces of myself that maybe they were there and I was overlooking or, but still helping me to highlight those bits that made me more unique to me as opposed to being a copy of anyone else and not only that having those coaches I think has also bred a very hard-working and creative environment that I was always around with the other trainees and the, the people at my level, the people, you know, who are fully like graduates and are just dropping in, you know, all around, like having, there's so many people, so it'd be impossible to name all of them, but there are people I'm regularly talked to and they're so full of ideas for themselves, for you, for other friends. And it's just great to constantly be in that mix. That's why, you know, I've been involved in wrestling for for nearly 20 years and I can't get out of it you know that that's why because I, I still get excited by that sort of stuff I still get excited by coming up with new storylines and and training guys and getting seeing them get to a certain level and getting and even myself getting out there and performing and stuff it, it's you, you, you can't beat it like if you love wrestling like we love wrestling every day you're thinking about it and every day you're thinking about something that you could do for yourself to make yourself a better wrestler or and at the moment probably all thinking fuck we're missing it so much you know like you know it's driving us insane but but when things are normal like it is it's such an addictive amazing creative sport performance art whatever you want to call it that that is so hard to get out of how can you give 
that up. It's you know you, until your body fails on you, how can you give that up? It's it's it's, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of this to me, in the way I see wrestling, maybe comes back to I guess John, your original question, like who who are you? Who like, and that can apply to anyone. And who, the person I am is a very you know creative, I guess, but emotionally investing and potentially like an addictive personality so when I see something that I love and you know really latch on to something like wrestling like music it just really it takes a hold of you and you just kind of carry on and you throw yourself into it so far that you forget almost what it was like to not be involved that's all we have for you today ladies and gents that was the falling star wrestling podcast thank you so much for listening and if you haven't already please subscribe and give us a five star review thank you also to my guests this week well i suppose jimmy's not really a guest anymore he just kind of pops on and he's more of a co-host so thanks jim and of course thank you to our main attraction mr cali gray he will also be joining us next week to continue this chat so in the meantime if you want to find out more about him you can find him on facebook and instagram it's at cali gray official c-a-l-i G-R-A-Y official and you can also find out more about Falling Star Wrestling it's at Falling Star Wrestling I'm on there too at PVC Pro Wrestler and my boy Jimmy Star is on Facebook it's at Jimmy Star Wrestler now we have opened up the doors of our Falling Star Wrestling Training Academy so if you're an aspiring wrestler you've been sitting there during lockdown you've been thinking you know what Life's just a bit too short. I want to be in the ring. I want to be in there with the adrenaline and the buzz and the rush and the thrill. Well, you can now. Wednesday nights at Linsport, £10, but please do get in contact with Falling Star Wrestling before you come along to a session due to COVID-19 precautions. You will need to book in beforehand. So with all that being said, thank you so much for checking out this episode, and we'll see you next week for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Sayonara. Sayonara.